don't ever miss running wild and just breaking all the rules. Like stealing and lying and fighting? Yeah. No. What? <laughs> Why would we? Um, oh, come here. Look at where we are. We're in Ordon. And we're Ordon girls now. Since this now, is the land of opportunity. We can be whatever we want to be here. So please, let's just save the past in the past. Hello and welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy and this is my friend and co-host Brie. Hello! And we are here today to talk about Disney Descendants 2. We are back in the Disney Descendants world. We we are back. We have returned. And I definitely remembered uh, the first movie. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's almost... You're probably better off for it that you don't just store all of these movies <laughs> in your brain for the rest of your life. You probably, like... Sleep easier at night. It it enters the brain, and it that's this is why I watch these movies very shortly before we begin recording because if I didn't, it would be gone. (laughs) (laughs) My brain does not hold on to these things. Oh gosh! So when I hopped back into this one, I'm like, "What was the plot of the first one again?" And did, I think I you... I think I remembered most of it by yeah. e- eventually as I was watching this one, kind of. <laughs> well, for those for those that don't remember, basically the first film we were introduced to uh, the they're they're collectively known as the villain kids. They are the teenage sons and daughters of Disney villains, and this is just this is a whole universe where. The Disney characters had kids, and now their kids are in, like, a high school, and all of the movies are in one combined universe. Um, the Beast had a, a prison camp. Um, yeah! Yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird it's, situation. It's really, it's really, if you think about it for more than 30 seconds, you're like, wait, wait a, wait a minute. Yeah. Banishing all of the quote-unquote evil people to one island seems and then putting a magic barrier around it so they can't escape seems kind of fucked yeah and just leaving them to fucking fend for themselves we've trapped you on an island we're not going to give you any support um i guess just be evil to each other okay bye yeah and all all of the children that you have they are evil because they are your children so yeah it doesn't matter I guess you're just doomed forever. So, to like, fuck you, I guess. Enjoy prison. Yeah, enjoy. Um, I will say, I I found myself enjoying this movie a bit better than the first. And I don't know if it was just that there was less focus on the concept of the Beast's Island prison. Yeah. Or if I was just used to it. But it, it just... I, <laughs> you, you, you had already sort of accepted the conceit in this one so you could more readily be like okay i guess Mm -hmm. this is just the way it is yeah yeah 
And and I mean, we'll we'll kind of get into it more when we discuss the plot. But there are at least this movie brings up some of the ramifications of having an island prison. Yeah. So that probably helped. Yeah. They they they're almost they almost feel like they're getting ready to like maybe in Disney Descendants three they'll address they'll they'll actually do something about <laughs> prison mm-hmm. island. We we will have to see, Brie. Mm. I can't spoil anything. But uh, I guess Disney, at this rate, Disney Descendants 3 will be uh, next year. So <laughs> to look at that one. <laughs> Gotta space these out. So yeah. We make sure that you have forgotten every fucking thing yeah. of the previous film. Yeah, it's gotta be all gone by the time I get to the next one. Yeah, just the suffering. Every time we sit and watch a Disney Descendants movie... You need to be painfully reminded of the last Disney Descendants movie. <laughs> but yeah, I think like this one seemed fine. I, I was. It's definitely long. It's definitely yeah. two hours long. It's... I had I oh. had to send Brie a message because <laughs> um, I. I was I was like, okay, we'll do Disney Descendants 2 next. And then I started watching the movie and I thought, oh, I should check and see what the runtime is. And of course, it's two fucking hours long. Um, <laughs> so I had to send Bri a message like, hey, just checking. Do you have two hours of your life to dedicate to this fucking movie this week? <laughs> I appreciated the heads up, honestly, because it's like... <laughs> It's better than when I crack up when I cracked open I think the first one and I was like, What do you mean it's over two hours long? What do you mean? Ha <laughs> <laughs> I should I should look and see if that's our longest the longest movie we've ever covered. Oh, I think it might be. Yeah, possibly. Oh. But it's there's definitely a lot of padding that goes on yeah. in this film. Yeah, there's at least two subplots. Um, we probably could have cut entirely. Uh-huh. Uh, but we will have to get into that in uh the discussion. So maybe do you think is it is it time to go through the summary for think, Disney Descendants 2? I think it is, Christy. Ta- take us take us away on a magical musical adventure. Alright, let's get into it for the plot summary of Disney Descendants 2. Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Only three days to the Royal Cotillion. Ever think a girl like you would be Lady of the Court? How does it feel to be the most envied girl in Oregon? Well, do you like being blonde? Is your mother still... The film begins and we are reunited with Mal and Ben, who are still dating after confessing their feelings for each other in the previous film. While Mal has seemingly renounced all her evil ways, the pressure of dealing with being in the public eye as King Ben's girlfriend is causing her to get nostalgic for her former life on the Isle of the Lost. The biggest source of stress is the upcoming cotillion, a formal event that will officially mark her inclusion into the royal court, while also acting as an unofficial pre-engagement of sorts to King Ben. Mal is run ragged by all the stress and the preparation required, and so she begins using magic again, despite it being expressly forbidden to do so. Back on the Isle of the Lost, we are introduced to a brand new batch of villain kids. These include Harry, the son of Captain Hook, Gil, the son of Gaston, and Uma, the daughter of Ursula. These three hold a grudge against Mal and the other villain kids, 
calling them traitors for turning their backs on evil. Umar in particular has a grudge against Mel, who once rejected her for not being big or bad enough. That snooty little witch who grabbed everything she wanted and left me nothing. No, she left you that sandbox and then she said that you could have the shrimp. I need you to stop talking. Look, we have her turf now. They can stay in Bordeaux. Harry, that's her turf now. And I want it too. We should not be getting our leftovers. Uma's not content with having taken over Mal's former turf, and she vows to take over Mal's life in Oridon as well. Unfortunately, Mal's life isn't going so great for her at the moment. Mal gets caught using magic by Ben, a situation she makes worse after trying and failing to use a spell to wipe Ben's memory. The two argue, and Mal confesses that she feels like a fake that doesn't belong in Oridon. I'm not one of those pretty pink princesses, Ben! I'm not one of those ladies from the court! I'm a big fake, okay? I'm fake! This is fake! In tears, Mal runs off, using magic to return herself to the Isle of the Lost, bypassing the magical barrier on the island. Evie finds a note Mal left behind, and she brings it to Ben, who blames himself for Mal running away. He decides he has to go to the isle and apologize to her and bring her back himself. Evie refuses to let him go alone, so she rounds up Carlos and Jay, and the group make their way to the isle. While Ben attempts to blend in as a villain kid, he's recognized almost immediately by Gil, who runs off to report to Uma. The group finds Mal, and Ben apologizes to her. Mel turns Ben down, telling him that her staying on the Isle is best for both Ben and for Oridon. I have to take myself out of the picture because it's what's best for you and it's what's best for Oridon. No, no, please. I can't do this. She begs Ben to leave, and he does, and he unknowingly walks right into the hands of Harry. Harry tells the group that if they want to see Ben again, Mal will have to speak to Uma. Mal does so, and Uma tells her that if she wants to get Ben back, she'll have to trade Ben for Fairy Godmother's magic wand by noon the next day, or else Ben is done for. Mal and the others form a plan. Carlos and Jay will return to Oridon and use their 3D printer to make a fake magic wand. Meanwhile, Evie collects ingredients for a smoke bomb to make diversions. The next day, while waiting for Mal, Uma and Ben talk. Ben offers to let her return to Oridon if she frees him, and Uma opens up to Ben and reveals that part of her grudge is because she wasn't selected to be freed from the Isle. Ben apologizes to Uma, acknowledging that he hasn't followed up on his plan to free more people from the island. I get that you don't deserve this. <laughs> This island is a prison, thanks to your father. And don't pretend to look out for me, because no one's looking out for me. It's just me. Ben once again offers Uma a place in Ordon, but she turns him down, wanting to get there on her own. Mel and the others go to confront Uma with the fake wand in tow. They make the swap for Ben, but it doesn't take long before Uma realizes the wand is a fake. A fight breaks out, and eventually Mal and the others win the upper hand. They make their escape from the aisle, but in all the action, Mal unknowingly leaves her spellbook behind. Back in Oridon, Mal has a heart-to-heart -heart with Evie, Jay, and Carlos. 
She opens up about her fears about not being able to fit in. Evie tells Mel that they are never going to fully fit in, that they'll always be different from everyone else in Oridon, and that's perfectly fine. They convince Mel to give Ben a chance to love the real her, and to come to the Cotillion, which Mel reluctantly agrees to. Cotillion arrives that night, with the celebration taking place on a large party boat. Mal is presented to the gathered crowd, and shortly after, Ben arrives. However, Ben shocks the crowd by introducing Uma as his new lady of the court, with Ben claiming that they fell in love during their time together on the aisle. Mal begins to run off, but she's stopped by the reveal of the gift that Ben prepared for his lady, a stained glass image of him and Mal together. All at once it clicks, Uma found Mal's spellbook on the aisle and has used it to inspell Ben. Mal confesses to Ben that she loves him, and she kisses him, using true love's kiss to break Uma's spell. Uma flees, jumping over the side of the boat into the ocean, where the magic of her mother's necklace transforms her into a giant tentacled monster. She begins attacking the cotillion, and in response, Mal instinctually transforms into a large dragon. Uma and Mal gear up to fight, but Ben intervenes, urging the both of them to stop and instead work together to make a better future for the inhabitants of the Isle. Ben offers Uma his hand, but although Uma stops fighting, she refuses to take it. Instead, she simply turns away and sinks below the waves. Mal returns to human form, and she and Ben reunite. Mal is also reunited with her spellbook, which she promptly hands over to Fairy Godmother for safekeeping. Ben pledges to help more of the inhabitants of the Isle, and the film draws to a close with everyone celebrating the cotillion, albeit a bit more waterlogged than originally planned. After some singing and dancing, we see Uma rise from the waves. What? You didn't think this was the end of the story. Did you? <laughs> The end. The end. She's like, hey, we're, there's going to be at least one more sequel. All right. Yeah. Th hey. Thanks for the heads up, I guess. Hey, we know this film is definitely going to make money, so we're doing a third one. Just, just so you know, there'll be a third one. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a very... <laughs> That was a good summary. Uh, it also yeah. left out like three of the four of the subplots, which surprising were not important. <laughs> yeah, it's. <sighs> I get it's, that they wanted know. to have a little bit of something for like every character, but boy, yeah, definitely. Like, um, Carlos has a thing where he has a crush on Jane. So Jane is the fairy godmother's daughter. And so his thing is trying to get up the courage to ask her out. And so that's that's his subplot throughout the entire film. And as you said, has nothing to do with the plot. It's just to give Carlos something to do. Which is fair because Carlos is a good character. I like Carlos. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Like, I don't, just a sweetie. I don't mind him. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't contribute It doesn't anything. at all. It has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. But it's a, it's the, gotta have a little bit of something for Carlos. Just, just a little something. Um, 
And then and the then subplot with Jay is like yeah. he's the captain of the school's sword fighting club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like this weird fencing club thing. It's it's action fencing. Um Yeah. Whatever the apparently they have a team for that. Um and he's the captain, and they need to replace Ben because he's too busy with d- being the king. And then Lonnie, Mulan's daughter, shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, kicking everyone's ass. And they're like, we yeah. should put her on the team. And then Chad, fucking who Chad. is just the fucking worst, is like, <laughs> actually, um, the rules say the captain and eight men so like no girls allowed and i'm like cool so he's um misogynist a misogynist too that's fun he's just he just shows up intermittently throughout the plot to suck ass and then leave (laughs) (laughs) like why is chad here god damn and you know what what's weird with him too is that in the first film he Came off as, like, the asshole but also popular dude. Yeah. And in this film, it feels like he like he's still the asshole, but it also feels like he now has no friends. And so as a result, he just, like, shows up by himself to, like, just not even antagonize, just annoy. Just to be annoying and a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's- he just... He's just awful. He, he he just he shows up and he keeps letting himself into Carlos and Jay's room. Yeah, he like three D pl- printed himself his own many many versions of their of the key to their room so they can use he can use their three D printer. Yeah, because he already but he's like I already have one but yours is better so I made copies of your room key and just let myself in and use your printer all the time. Yeah, and they just, like, it's just, like, a weird running gag that they keep going back to their room and he's there. And everybody's just like, ugh, Chad. Oh, that Chad. I'd I'd be fucking reporting his ass. Yeah, I'd be, like, changing my lock and and reporting him and, like... (laughs) Yeah, like, fucking Kicking him off the sword fighting team for being a gross misogynist. Yeah, and it's... That, again... That subplot is weird to me. Okay, so first off, it's weird that in in the, this Disney universe where we have so many protagonists that are female, mm-hmm. and there's there's always this. It feels like this reoccurring thing of like, you know, empowerment and not taking shit. You're a lady. You could still be a hero and save the day, even if you're wearing a dress. Whatever, and it's so weird that it's also presented as this thing like, oh, sorry, we can't have ladies on the team, and and even like Jay kind of, I think it's Jay makes a comment at one point that back on the aisle, like women had, you know, like women could just do whatever they want. Yeah, it was like if you were strong enough to be on the team, you're on the team, like kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's again, it's weird to me that in a universe. Where we had all these Disney heroines yeah. saving the day, where it's also saying that no, 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 you can't. Hey, I know that your mom um, saved, S- saved China, saved China, I guess, which is also just a place that exists. 
Also, France, listen, Disney is a thing, I guess. She it's saved China. This- Gaston is from France. Uh, it's very confusing. Who knows what's but it, up? But-, but yeah, it's like tough shit. You're not allowed on the team. And that one, at least, at least Jay's subplot sort of has a bit of connection to the main plot in that Lonnie. When after when they're on their way back to the isle the isle after three D printing the wand, <laughs> Lonnie insists on coming with them, and she does assist in the battle against Uma. Yeah, and and so it's kind of like okay, that kind of works, I guess. At least it, it's incorporating the subplot a bit into the main plot, but it also feels like we probably could have just removed that from the movie and then saved us all 20, 30 minutes of our lives. (laughs) Well, and I, but I think it was, part of it was like trying to, because the two girls both have love interests from the first film and they're like, okay, well now we need to give the two boys their love interests. So they gave Carlos Jane and Jay and Lonnie end up going to the dance together after at the end of the film. Oh, that's true. I never, I never really thought of that actually. Hmm. Yep. That's well. That's what I my first thought was. It's like, well, we gotta have them have someone now too. Of course. Everybody. Granted, mm-hmm. I don't know if they stay together in Disney Descendants three. I guess I'll <laughs> find out in twenty twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward. Ooh, ooh, twenty twenty three. Yeah. Ooh, Disney. Did, ooh. <laughs> I, I like that. It's all planned. Oh, it's all Perfect coming together. But um, oh, I, 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 I to conclude the subplot because at least that one does have like a, a kind of fun resolution. Is that Jay decides to step down as captain of the team and let Lonnie take his place. Because there was nothing in the rules that said that the captain had to be a man. Aha! Aha! I got that. you, Chad. Fuck you, Chad. Do you know what would have been great? Chad. She should have immediately upon being captain of the team, she should have been like, okay, Chad, you're you're out. You're out. <laughs> now fun. we need another. <laughs> well, but it's like, it, I, I f- it felt really weird because it was like, it's in the rules. And it, we can't break the rules. We don't break the rules in Oridon. We that's that's an aisle yeah. thing. You break the rules on the aisle, and it's like you know some rules you you break them eventually because it turns out they're outdated and bad. <laughs> yeah, like what, what? Can't you have just been like, oh, actually, um, I just talked to the coach, and he said we could just let women on the team. Why can't we? Why like, can't we just do that? Or it's like some rules can are are meant to be broken, not all of them, yeah. but some of them, you know. But I guess that's a little too. That's a little too like this is Disney. They don't want to tell yeah. kids to break the rules. But could you imagine if like if somebody just went to Mulan and was like, actually, only ladies can can be in the army, and she was just like, okay. Well, yeah, well, because Lonnie, because Lonnie was like, if my mother had listened to that kind of shit, she wouldn't have saved, like, she would have lost the war. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, fuck it. <laughs> it's, uh, too bad. Uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely bizarre. Oh, God. Uh, and then what was... Evie's subplot is just sort of... Uh, she has the, the thing with Dizzy. Oh, yeah. I think that's I, it. Hers hers is pretty... I I like her whole thing with Dizzy. Yeah, um, hers is actually kind of cute. I can't remember if Dizzy did... was in the first film. Was she? No, no, she wasn't. Okay, I didn't think so. Evie's just the best fucking character. Yeah, it's true. She... So, she kind of has, like, another... Th- like, this is probably more of her actual side plot. Because the stuff with Dizzy, I feel like, is is pretty connected with the actual plot but um we see early on in the film that evie has started this successful dressmaking business and she oh is, yes she's saving up money for the goal of being able to buy her own castle and i i love it so much because you know when we first saw her in the series in the previous movie she was kind of brainwashed into this idea of finding a prince and having him take care of me and I'll get a castle and, you know, just that's that's how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. But now we see that she's this entrepreneur and she's going to buy her own damn castle with her own money. And it's Hell great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's <sighs> it's very good. And she's also like, she's like, I, I am home here. Like, I really like Oradon. Like, this is where I belong now kind of thing. It's like. Yeah. yeah. Good for I you, just, Evie. I love her so much. She's just like a, a just a very kind and selfless person for somebody who grew up on the aisle full of uh, terrible people. <laughs> yeah. And she's and she's dating Doug. Still, still dating Still dating still Doug. Fucking Doug. <laughs> but it, it's, Dopey's it's, son Doug. Oh, don't be fucked. Oh, but uh, Doug is kind of better in this movie, but just because he's not like, like because they're officially dating now, at he's least not he's just not. like trailing around behind the group. Yeah, like just creeping on her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is like, there's this awkward bit though where. Um, after so again when when carlos and jay they return to ordon to briefly make the magic wand they run into doug and doug starts asking them where evie is and they have to give this fake story because they don't want anybody to find out that ben has been kidnapped and held hostage and they're trying to save him so when they get back to ordon um Doug bursts into Evie's room and just like starts awkwardly demanding to know if Evie is basically cheating on him because he doesn't buy the story that Carlos and Jay gave him and so he's just kind of freaking out about it and like like, Evie kind of just quietly calms him down um, and it's just it's I don't know I could have done without that moment too because it's just like a weird like just kind of comes off as like possessive. I don't know. It's yeah. It was they, weird. they they sh- they should have framed it differently. Where it's not him accusing her of cheating on him. It should have just been like, hey, I I know that that story was a lie. Like, is everything okay? What's going on? 
Yeah. But, well. Eh, oh well. It it does give, like, kind of a weird moment, weird funny moment, where when Evie's trying to calm him down, she just, she takes his hands and tells him, don't be dopey. Um, which is <laughs> great, because she just kind of said, don't be, don't be an idiot like your dad. <laughs> just seems like a weird, like... Kind of a weird dunk on his dad, honestly. Yeah! Like... I, I don't know. It's one of those weird lines that I'm sure, like, they wrote it and they're like, oh, this is so good. Cause so clever. Oh. His dad's dopey, but dopey also means being, you know. But it's like, that's his dad. Don't make fun of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please, dopey is my father's name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I love... I love the the dopey uh, the, the the names the names of the kids are sometimes so funny to me. Just the idea of of somebody named Dopey giving his son the name Doug, <laughs> and it I don't know why it just it makes I sense. To, I have to assume it must have been Do or or uh, Doug's mom. <laughs> yeah, who? Oh, I wonder who Doug's mom was. I don't. You know. It's, I, I wonder, but at the same time, I don't think I ever want an answer. I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a better left a mystery. Yeah. And that's like, what was, oh, what are the other, part of, okay, the talking dog uh, oh, is another oh, yes. sort of subplot that comes into play in the main plot, but is mostly just like a weird subplot thing that they did for some reason. Because, like, yeah. uh, Carlos t gets Evie to make him, like, a truth gummy. So, like, when you eat the gummy, you can only tell the truth for the rest of your life, I guess. Because he wants to be able to tell the... Because he keeps trying to ask Jane out and tell him his feeling Or tell her his feelings. But he keeps chickening out. So if he eats the truth gummy, he'll have to tell her. Mm -hmm. But then... Um, his dog dude eats the fruit gummy instead, and then he has a, a a CGI mouth for the rest of the film where he can talk now. Yeah, and it's just it's just played for laughs the entire rest of the film, where everybody's very surprised at this talking dog. Um, they make, they make the was... dog say "amaze balls" at some time at one point. It's oh, like, all right, yeah. <laughs> which which I I wonder how this universe works because I'm I'm pretty sure. There's been a few Disney movies with talking animals. But everybody's oh. like very surprised. Yeah, wait. Hold on. Huh. <laughs> wait. Maybe it's still. Hmm. Maybe it's one of those things where it's. Because in Disney films, usually the animals can talk, but they can talk to other animals. And they can't, yeah. can't talk to people. Yeah, I guess now that I say it, I'm trying to think, but I guess Iago, like Iago, Iago was sure. a parrot. Yeah, and a par well, parrots guess... can can talk. Air quotes. Yeah. Oh God, I'm trying to think now. Are there actually Disney movies where an animal talks directly to a human? I don't think there is. Wait, The Rescuers. Oh yeah, there we go. I forgot they. Oh, okay, yes, because they talk to they talk directly to Penny. Yeah. God, you'd think I'd remember that. I I watched that one not too long ago. 
I haven't watched it in a very long time, but I I watched something else on YouTube earlier that was talking about the rescuers. Good movie, everybody go watch it. Has good animation by Milt Call. It's very good. I need who's, to rewatch Rescuers Done Under as well. Oh, I remember I, loving that one. I remember loving that one as a kid, and I haven't seen it in recent years, so I should really rewatch that one. I I remember that one being quite good. Yeah. I, I usually, th- like, that one I have more nostalgia for compared to the original Rescuers, and I think just yeah. Rescuers Down Under had a bit more action to it, which as a kid, just, it I found it a bit more engrossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Man. Oh, the little Jerboa guy? Oh my god. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I need to that, I need to rewatch that one. That movie made me really obsessed with Jerboas for the longest time oh, after. Fucking, I love Jerboas. They're so cute. They're, They're so, so weird looking. Yeah, I love them. The little like kangaroo mice thing. Little aliens. I love those guys. Just adorable. They're like a little orb with two big legs and a long tail. <laughs> it's so weird it's great i guess that i'll have to double check but that did that come out during the time in the western world where everybody was really obsessed with australia probably because there's you know what there was there there was a oh right okay it's just north americans discovered australia (laughs) (laughs) in the 1980s and they were like oh this is really cool (laughs) i mean probably actually yeah (laughs) that's probably around the time wasn't it yeah man oh god yeah everybody go watch rescuers and rescuers down under (laughs) there's your homework oh anyway where were we oh talking animals Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so so dude the dog um gains the power kinda, of speech. Gains the power of speech. And for a good chunk of the movie, dude just kind of gets left behind. Um to the point that I I couldn't remember like does he actually does this talking bit pay off in some way and it does it a little bit. Yeah. Um ba- basically they Dude ends up stowing away in the limo that they use to, to the very to covert him. limo that they drive over the golden sparkly <laughs> magic bridge to get to the aisle. Yeah. Very in the inconspicuous. Of the night, yes, it glows and lights up and shit in the middle of the night. Nobody notices this. Um, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But he he stows away, and thankfully he does because when they are presenting the fake wand to Uma. She rightfully is suspicious, and so she calls them out, uh, you know, like, prove that it's it, prove that it's the real wand. And so Mal happens to see a dude, and she casts a fake spell to make him talk. And, of course, he ends up talking, and it's, oh, this, it is real. Wow, it, it real works. Wand. Wow. Woo, and that's the payoff, I guess. I guess he does, like, also have, like, he's the one that finally, like, convinces Carlos to just ask Jane out. Yeah. So it it serves a purpose. It's just sort of weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's just sort of a a weird plot point. I guess out of all of the, of all of, like, the weird subplots, I would be okay if they left the dude, the dog talking one in, in, because... 
it does it has I, I like I don't mind that like story beat of proving that the wand is the fake wand is real. I guess they could have done it some other way though, and then we would yeah. have had I don't know. Like I don't want to say that there should never be a subplot in a movie because I, I I'm not yeah, saying no. that subplots are bad. No, like a lot of them are. Some of them are actually most of them are like decent. They're decent little fun bits for the characters. It's just yeah. this this movie's so fucking long. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it feels like it should end, like, 45 minutes uh-huh. before it actually does. Because they save Ben, and you kind of forget about the cotillion for a while. Or at least I did. And I, yep. like, I remember the f- first time I watched this film, I was like, okay, well, they saved Ben. They're going back to Ordon. So this movie's probably pretty close to being done, right? And then I looked at how much time was left in the film, and I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. That said, I do... I I do like that bit at the end with Uma and Ben. Even though I think it's kind of dumb that the characters in-universe don't suspect that Uma just fucking spelled Ben. Well, um, yeah, that's the, that's the sort of the thing. Where it's like, there's... This is a world in which magic is a thing that exists. So, like, I feel like also the king should have some form of, like, magical protection on him to make that (laughs) not a thing that can just fucking happen. But, you know, whatever, I guess. The fairy godmother, the magical magical fairy godmother couldn't tell that the kid's under a spell? No? Yeah. Well, and just just the fact that, that the daughter of Ursula shows up and and suddenly Ben is acting like they're in love. Like again, the daughter of Ursula. Ursula pulled <laughs> this fucking shit with this, Eric. This is literally the ending of that movie. Yeah, like uh. even I I don't know. It's just weird, and I don't know why the characters didn't think she could do it on her own. Like they kind of make the the plot point that oh well, she used she used Mal's spellbook to do it. That's but- the well because one of the things is she's got like she's got this sort of seashell pendant mm-hmm. um on her around her neck. And I did I forgot about the spellbook when I was when I when they had the whole big thing where it's like, oh she's like he's in love with her, blah blah blah. I was like, oh she used like Ursula's magic. She cause she she yeah. even says when he's on the boat, she like touches the necklace and she's like, let's see what this baby can do. And I'm like, oh, so she put a spell on him at that point and yeah. like something, something, etc. Like But no, it's she found the spell book. Yeah. And it's just it's like it's kind of weird because we saw in the first film that the other like the other villains had magic on the island like it wasn't strong enough to get them to escape but like evie had her magic mirror that she got from her mom yeah and like mal you know that's where mal got her spell book so they could do magic on the aisle it's not like like i'll have to i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure there wasn't something that said that they couldn't do magic don't it's just that they is. couldn't use magic to escape. Oh, I'm gonna fucking research this. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rewatch the first one now. Somebody, if I'm, if I'm, oh god, I don't want to. 
<laughs> Never mind. Somebody just email me and tell me if I'm if I'm forgetting. <laughs> someone so I don't... someone who remembers the plot of Disney Descendants one. I uh, yeah, I don't have two and a half hours of my life to fucking rewatch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Let, let me tell you, I this is completely off topic, but I um I ordered myself um so the asylum we've watched film <gasps> before uh-huh i they did a version of sherlock holmes and i ordered it because oh, it's no. the front hold on, oh god let me i gotta look it up and send it to brie the, <laughs> the dvd i've only seen the dvd cover <laughs> please it, hold audio only audience as we <laughs> look at this yeah Please, please hold because I need to. I need to send the DVD <laughs> cover to Brie because I saw this, and and it made me. I was like, I'm gonna buy this instantly. Five dollars for this fucking movie. I'm sure it's gonna be magic. So so, gentle listener, <laughs> it's Sherlock Holmes, and it's an image. <laughs> it's got fucking three dudes, one of which must be Sherlock. Uh, at the at the top of this image, uh, there's Big Ben on the side, and then <laughs> there's like a bunch of fire <laughs> and a T Rex <laughs> and a fire breathing dragon and some tentacles coming out from water under the bridge. Yeah. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> so that looks I amazing. So- I fucking I love it. So yeah, I I do not have fucking time to rewatch Disney Descendants one because I as soon as we finish this podcast recording, I'm gonna go watch this fucking movie to figure out why Sherlock Holmes has to fight a T Rex. Oh my god! Incredible! I'm so excited! Wow! <sighs> Can't wait! But, but but yes, I. <laughs> I, I to, to get back into the movie, I I do I like that fun reveal of like I think it makes sense for Uma to come and inspell Ben and you have that fun moment at the cotillion where it's revealed you know like it, that's a very Disney moment because yeah. of course it's almost like verbatim what's in the Little Mermaid but it works and I think it's fun to see that reference and that plot point. It's just at that point in the movie, the the it's it's just too long and it takes so long to get there that I remember yep. the first time that I watched this film, um, I remember turning it off around that point because I kind of I was like, all right, I can see where this is going and I'm sleepy and I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> I'll watch the last so- fifteen minutes tomorrow. Yeah, I like I'm good. There's a spell. They're gonna get back together. I'm good. Yeah. I need to stop watching these movies right before bed. Probably. You gotta do it right it, before you wake up, just before the podcast, like me. Yeah, it just gets <laughs> uh, oh, because oh, like and there's the whole thing at the very end after it's revealed and then Uma jumps in the water and she turns into like an octopus mermaid that's enormous like Ursula yeah. did at the end of the little mermaid and then uh Mal uses instinct to turn herself into a dragon mm-hmm. which 
is pretty sick. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh yeah, because Maleficent turned into a dragon. Yeah, so her daughter can also turn into a dragon, I guess. Fine, I'll buy that. That's sick as hell. <laughs> yeah, but then they're like, there's like a two second confrontation between the two. And then uh, Ben jumps in the water. He's like, stop fighting. And Uma's like, okay, I give up. And she leaves. And it's like, <laughs> oh, didn't have, didn't, didn't have the, the, the budget for the big CGI monster sequence, huh? Okay. Yeah, it just, it just kind of fell, I don't know. I, like, I don't mind it, I guess, but it did feel like there should have been a bit more of a fight. Because it, it does feel like it gets escalated and then resolved very quickly. Yeah, it's like as soon as Ben hits the water, he's Everybody like, he's like, stop fighting, Uma, I, let me help the people of the island. The same thing that I yeah. said to you earlier in the film that didn't make any difference to how you were treating me. But let me do it, though. And she's like, okay, and leaves. But then it turns out, did you think this was the end of the story? No, we got a sequel, baby. Yes, you got a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. The end, yeah. It's... I... You know, here's the thing. I I really like Uma and Ben. Um, Yeah, like... Their in their dynamic when they're talking on the boat is really interesting, actually, because she's the first to call him out. It's like this this island is a prison, like we are prisoners here. You chose four people to leave, and the rest of us are still just rotting here. <laughs> when you brought Mal, Evie, Carlos, and Jada Oradon, that's as mad as I've ever been in my life. And trust me, I've been plenty mad. I never thought of it like that before. That I could have hurt the people I didn't pick. The plan was to start with four kids and bring more people over. I guess I was busy being king. That sounds lame. I'm so sorry. It's great. And this is this is what I kind of alluded to in our intro, is that somebody is finally, like, like really starting to fucking poke some holes into this stupid plan that the beast came up with. Yeah. And and even more so uh also poking holes into Ben's plan because Ben acknowledges that he fully intended to bring more kids to Oridon, but he ended up getting caught up with his kingly duties and on top of that, he also never really considered what it would feel like to be one of the kids who wasn't picked. And and Uma shows him that, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to see other people going free and you're just left sitting there wondering if you're ever going to get a chance and how it builds up resentment. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, these are things to be considered (laughs) with this plan you enacted, Ben. Yeah, and like, again, like, Ben Ben is, I think he, he was just turning 16 in the first film so yeah something dude. like that like it's it there's still i still take extreme issue with the fact that they're like he's 16 now he can he is king he is yeah. automatically king don't worry about it beast and yeah. bell no longer king and queen he is the king yeah now. you're 16 year old he's still expected to go to school but he's also supposed to be a king and yeah that's, like 
that's why he can't he forgot about saving more kids from the island is because he's so caught up with his king shit yeah i just uh... it it is it's to ben's credit after this is pointed out to him he does try and like work towards rectifying it like yeah he, he you know he offers Uma the spot in Oridon, but he also he also offers her a job as well, and it's like he's trying to get her to be an advocate for people on the aisle and work with him. Um, and while while Uma doesn't take him up on that offer, we do see that Evie actually does, and so Evie starts working with Ben to start bringing more people um, from the island to Oridon. Yeah, because like. One of the like the one of the first things that Mal does when she gets to the aisle again is she goes to Lady Tremaine's hairstylist, like mm-hmm. was curl up and die, D- yeah, D- her D-Y-E. Hair and yeah. uh, Lady Tremaine being the evil stepmother from uh, Cinderella, and I guess Cinderella's step step sister Drusilla's daughter works yeah. there. And yeah, she's like dizzy. this like 14-year-old or or younger, like Dizzy. Her they call her Dizzy. Don't know what her name what that might be short for, whatever. Um but she works there and she like looks up to Evie and like is learning how to do hair and like remembers Evie because she she's the one that like gave her the idea for like little braids in her hair and like creates jewelry and really looks up to to Evie. So that's it's really sweet adorable little child just the cutest little thing ever and it to yeah. the point that I, I i'm like why the fuck wasn't she picked to go to ordon yeah <laughs> uh. i don't know i guess i imagine he was trying to make a statement by getting like the most noteworthy the kids of the most noteworthy baddies in the disney universe I guess. or something but, like, look at this innocent, sweet little child who, like, she she talks about how she and Evie always dreamed about getting to Oridon. Yeah. And she, she's genuinely, genuinely so happy that Evie was able to get away. Like, there's no jealousy or anything. She even, she gives Evie a bunch of jewelry that she's made and tells her that it would make her so happy to know that Evie was wearing her jewelry in Oridon and how it would make her feel like she was there with Evie. Oh. You're just like... God. And you're just like, why is this... <laughs> why are these children being punished like this? This sucks ass. Yeah. Like, this still sucks ass and it's still going on since the first... Fe- like, why is this like this? So I'm glad at the end he's at least like... She, Evie's like, I have like a handful of people, like I know kids there that would do really well here if we just, you know, Ooh. let them out of the prison island that they've been forced to grow up in. Yeah, Ben. Ben? And also Ben's dad? Yeah, Beast. I fucking beast? see you back there. You're just chilling. You're like, I'm no longer king. I don't have responsibility for this. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. Sir. Right your wrongs. <laughs> God, and yeah, and you know what? With Dizzy too, like it makes you like all of the other villain kids kind of had shades of this, where they were being mistreated by their parents on the island. Yeah, but Dizzy, we see pretty explicitly that she's basically being treated like Cinderella was, where she's being forced to work 
for an off-screen Lady Tremaine. Like, she, yep. she has to sweep and clean and manage the store and all yep. that. Yeah. And it just, like, it just further makes you have so much sympathy for this poor child. <sighs> Man. Ben. On on the note of Lady Tremaine, um, this is another instance of the, the whole, the crime doesn't fit the punishment thing. Um, <laughs> That we talked about in the first film. Where, yeah. You know, again, Lady Tremaine, was she was undoubtedly an abusive asshole, but is being trapped on an island with a bunch of murderous, magical, world-conquering villains. Um, <laughs> doesn't seem like that's fair. Mm, I don't, yeah. Hmm. Like, again, maybe, like, I don't know. Like, you could just, like, I don't know, banish lady tremaine from the kingdom or like put her in or like do, put her in like a like a normal jail for a while <laughs> i don't yeah, know or like, like do like the ending of cinderella 3 where they're like put to work in the castle as like a punishment something so anything i, I don't know this is weird yeah it just feels like what's like the what, what's like the line that you have to avoid crossing in the Disney universe before you get sent to the beast. <laughs> before you get sent to Prison Island with all of the magical evil people. Yeah, like I, I've still got Encanto on the brain, so it's like I can't help but picture at the end of the movie, um, Mir you know, Mirabelle's family is all reunited and happy, and then do the beast p police force come to arrest Abuela and like stick her on the island? Oh no! <laughs> Like, well, you you kind of were the villain, so I guess. You know. Oh no, man! They could try. Luisa would probably just fucking punch That's him into true. the sun. Hell yeah! On on the the note <laughs> of um, some of the new characters, um, so we meet. Uh, you know, we also meet Harry, who's the son of Captain <laughs> Hook. Uh huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> This guy, he's just, he's, he's wild. He's such a weird character because he's just like, I like to fuck shit up. I carry, a, I don't, I didn't lose a hand like my yeah. dad did to an alligator or crocodile, whatever. Uh, I just carry a hook around because it's fun. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's his dad's hook? I, I actually kind of assume it must be his dad's hook. <laughs> He just like stole it from him, which is extra weird. <laughs> they just have one hook that they fight over. Well, because at one point in in the prolonged sword fight between the Oridon villain kids and the Uma pirate kids, uh, he, the hook gets tossed in the in the ocean, and he drops everything to go after it. And I'm like, You're really attached to that to that hook, huh? Yeah, his security hook. I guess, but he's just because <laughs> at first you're like, it, did he lose a hand, and now he's also got a hook like Captain Hook, or like because it's he's got like his hand in his sleeve and he's holding the hook, so you don't see yeah. his hand for the first little bit, and then you see him during the the like f the following sequence where there's like a big song and dance number and he's dancing around, and you can clearly see he's got the hand, he has the <laughs> hand, he just chooses to instead hold the hook in that hand at all times. Yeah, which is kind of great. I love that that dedication to the bit. 
He's he's there's a brand, there's a family brand, and he <laughs> You gotta you you gotta keep on bread. <laughs> God. I there's also there's Gil, who's Gaston's son. And in my opinion, there there's a big missed opportunity for for Gil. Um in my opinion, um they should have had it so that Gaston had three identical sons. Not triplets, mind you, but three identical sons all the same age. Uh, <gasps> From the three to... blondes? Yeah! yeah his, his Gaston's identical groupies is from the original <laughs> film. Oh, that would have been so good. That would have been so yeah. good. Except, except that would have also... <laughs> <laughs> that would have mean they had to like confront the fact that Gaston was just <laughs> yeah. sleeping around that that small provincial uh, yeah. French town. They they never would have done it, but I would have I would have fucking. It would have been so did. funny. And they all should have been named Gaston Junior. <laughs> like, like, maybe like, that is his name, and they just shorten it to Gil for some reason. Oh, maybe they just they have to assume. Great. Just all, just like a bunch of Gaston, little Gaston. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> Gil is just kind of, like, he's the, the, the sort of meathead character. Like, he's just yeah. sort of goofy and oblivious. And just always eating eggs. <laughs> yeah, I think the correct term you're looking for is himbo. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. He is yes. the himbo. The himbo. There's there's kind of a fun moment where he, when he recognizes Ben on the island, he's just like very chill about it. Um, yeah. He's like, oh, hey, our dads oh, know each other. Minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, no like vindictiveness or anything. He's just like, I don't know, enjoyed life. Yeah. He's just, he's just, and when they're, when they're taking Ben off of the pirate ship, he's like, oh, uh, by the way, tell your mom that my dad says hi, and, uh, tell your dad that my dad says he, uh, wishes he'd taken care of him when he had the chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, damn. Like, All right. Very, like, matter-of-factly, like, no, yeah. again, no vindictiveness in it No malice, just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, but, you know. Uh, Dan said to pass on a message, which actually is great when you think about it, because yeah. it beats that Gil uh, told Gaston, like, probably was like, hey, Dad, guess what happened today? <laughs> <laughs> Man. <sighs> God. And then there's Uma, who is just, she's really cool. I like Uma. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do, too. Like, I... I I didn't at first just because she she kind of starts off and it doesn't feel like there's much depth to her. Like she's just talking uh, about uh, how depth like the ocean. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she starts off and it just feels like she wants revenge on Mal because Mal used to be like top shit on the aisle and she just I don't know, gave, I guess gave Uma crap or made or no, she gave she gave Uma like this this embarrassing nickname of Shrimpy, I think it was. Yeah, it was Shrimpy, I guess. So it just kind of seems like at first, like that's Uma's thing is that she just hates Mal and resents her for that. Um, but yeah, like after she talks with Ben on on the ship and they have that heart to heart, and you realize like 
No, like, again, she's just like the other kids where she has this hurt in her and she just doesn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, I do. I really like when she refuses to just get a spot in Ordon from Ben. Like, it's, um, I don't know, it's just kind of, I, I just like that determination. Like, she, she was rejected by Ben, or at least she feels like she was rejected. Mm -hmm. um, and she just has this quiet determination that she's like, okay, well, I'll get myself to Oridon then. I'm not going to depend on you. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to be disappointed by you again. So yeah, like, screw you. I will find my own way there. Yeah. And so. how she talks, too, in that scene, again, it's it's not... It's not vindictive. It's not angry. It's just this matter-of-factly, I'm going to get myself there. Exactly. Yeah. No, she was she was very interesting, which is why I'm sort of... I, it's sort of a bummer that, like, the movie ends the way it does. Yeah. I, Even... I hope they do better by her in the next film, where Ooh. she will clearly show up again. Ooh, we will see. Oh, no, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I did. It's funny. I, I liked, like, the moments before she gets revealed um, as having inspelled Ben. It's interesting because she comes off as very genuine where she's telling Mal. She's like, she actually thanks Mal. Like, thank you for bringing Ben and I together. Um, and it's just, I don't know. Again, it's so genuine that it's even knowing that she has inspelled him. Like, you could kind of buy it. Like, it does feel like, mm -hmm. you know what? I could actually see these two getting together. Yeah. Oh. I guess, I guess I'll just have to wait mm -hmm. to see what the conclusion of her arc is. Also, her design is just really cool. Like, I like her, uh, her, like, blue braid situation. Yeah. And they're so long, too. They're I so was, long! That's something that I, I I kept noticing during the dance sequence because yeah. there was so much fun movement in it. Yeah. I've always wanted like super, super long hair, but no matter how much I try and grow my hair, it never gets to that point. So I'm always very jealous when somebody has like <laughs> super long hair. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm sure that it's probably a pain in the ass, but there's like something that's just like, I don't know, I could live my my fantasy fairy wench life and just be like <laughs> look at my long hair that flows oh, in the wind it's um, so light and breezy and it flows around and then you um, actually have long hair and you're like this fucking sucks oh my god it's so heavy oh it oh gets god. everywhere oh my just I, I just inhaled a four foot long hair from my own head <laughs> yeah I say this as someone who had fairly long hair for a while and recent and chopped it off last summer, and it's quite nice, per personally. And that's uh, no, no, it's not for everyone. No, but I do know both the short and the long hair, and I yeah, having the long hair, it looks pretty. But boy, it gets everywhere. Oh, I just I just wanna I just want my hair to just flow majestically in the wind. That's Instead fair. Of just acting like a windsock. <laughs> the thing is my my hair is is just like i don't know boring curls and and so in in the wind it's just like like on my head like i'm medusa 
Just everything like flip flopping everywhere, and it, uh, it doesn't. It just looks like I'm coming to turn you to stone. <laughs> doesn't look majestic. Man, <sighs> one day she'll start wearing wigs. Oh. <sighs> yeah, I think in in general, I enjoy. I think all of the kids in this one, like we. We kind of talked about in the first film how we found it hard to relate to these young kids. Or just like in general, the movie, like it just felt like we had a hard time as early 30s. Yeah. <laughs> like we, f- we feel old watching this. Yeah. And I still do. I felt yes. very tired after watching that last song sequence. <laughs> They're like all dancing in the water on the boat. Yeah, no, thank you. Cold and tired and wet. No thanks. But in, in this film, I, I found myself enjoying Mal's conflict a, a lot more than in the yeah. first one. Her yeah. S- her self-consciousness about not fitting in is, is super relatable. And going beyond that, her self-consciousness and how... She's the only one in her friend group that isn't able to fit in. Yeah. Like, everyone else seems to be finding their their niche in this place, whereas she's, like, because she has been thrust into such a, like, public place and is, like, now she feels like she has to act like like someone who is who had grown up in Oradon and knows all everything that they need to know... She's like this. Uh, she's under like I have the note just written down like Mal's life is hell. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like this sucks. It's it's basically she has like paparazzi on her yeah. at all times, and she there's like this this visual thing of she has dyed her hair uh, like very stark white blonde at the start of the film, and of course it's like this symbolic like kind of purity thing almost, and. Mm-hmm. It's not until she she decides to go back to the aisle that she goes back to her original like purple hair color. And and so it's just yeah, like she's putting up this front or she feels like she has to put up this front or else like people can't accept her as Ben's girlfriend. Mhm. And then yeah, like uh, to to the other point too, like all of the other villain kids like they love living in Ordon. They fit in so well. There's there's a moment I really like when Mal is talking to Carlos and she's asking him, like, do you, you know, do you ever miss life on on the aisle? Um, or like, oh, yeah, do you ever miss like running around and yelling at people and having them run in fear? And he's like, yeah. no. You're he well, he says. <laughs> You're thinking of my mother, and I was usually on the other end of that, so not really. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, both of their feelings are valid. Um, Not so much, like, screaming at people, but just the feelings that Mal is having, where she doesn't fit in, and she longs for the place that she felt like she fit in, even though it was not healthy for her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Carlos is like, well, yeah, no shit. He doesn't miss being yelled at um, by his mom and treated like crap. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It it's it's sad too because when when they go back to the island to try and reunite with Mal, the other kids are terrified of of being stuck on the island. 
Yeah, they're like, we cannot let our parents find out that we're back. Like, yeah, we cannot get stuck here again. Yeah, they they like keep asking Ben for reassurance. Like, are we going to be able to get back after this? Yeah. They, they have now had a taste of like freedom and a healthy life. And they are terrified about losing it. Mm-hmm. But that's fair. Like, f- fair. Oh. It's it's interesting, too, because it's like, again, like, they, I think it's mentioned that they, they've only been off the island for six months. Mm-hmm. And in just that short amount of time, it's like they, they've been able to realize how unhealthy of a place it was. Um, there's There's a moment where, like, literally, like, Right after they get back on the island, um, Evie gets, like, somebody tries to pick her pocket and she catches them in the act and she realizes that they're just, like, this tiny, small child. And she looks heartbroken over this. Yeah. And and she ends up letting the kid just keep the wallet and run away. And she just kind of watches them go off into the distance, like, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... It's a good little moment because you're like, oh, yep, this is where they grew up. She's like, I know who I know this kid. I know where this kid is coming from. Like, not not I know this child, but like, I have been this child. Yeah, she knows she knows the life. And and it it really that's I think that's what kind of starts that kickstarts her and then seeing Dizzy and really instills in her this desire to help make things better for kids on the island yeah oh, she's just the best character she's fantastic yeah i think the only one of the kids parents we see in this film <laughs> is mal's mom who is a lizard yeah. <laughs> yes yeah so, um so it, I, it, so in the previous film um, Mal and her friends use the magic of friendship to transform Maleficent into a tiny little lizard, and and she's basically she's powerless. I guess she's just trapped in this lizard form, um, which is kind so. of <laughs> kind of fucked up. But you know, yeah, well, it's it's especially because we see in this film that Maleficent is now like Mal's pet. Like she lives in Mal's yeah, she's in like a terrarium home. in her room with a little yeah. sign that says "Don't feed my mom." Yeah, and it's great because we so we talked about the the first movie they have. So in the shitty apartment that Maleficent and the other the adult villains lived in, they had a refrigerator and they had revenge. Yeah, and like the in, refrigerator magnet letters. Yeah, and so in in Maleficent's aquarium <laughs> terrarium home, they made a tiny little freak fridge that also has the word revenge on it. It's very just, good. Like, I guess they 3D printed that or something. I guess her. so. I mean, they do have the magical 3D printer. But it's just, it's great. Um, I guess they're just trying to make her seem at home. Then again, yeah, just it's a weird thing. <laughs> You're now my pet mom. Um, well, and when Mal goes back to the island, she puts her mom, like, she pokes some holes into, like, a little cardboard box and then puts the lizard in the box. And she's like, come on, mom, let's go home. And presumably, yeah. she took the lizard home and has just left Lizard Maleficent on the island. <laughs> they they do not clarify in this movie where she went. They yeah. Just, it's, yeah. It's don't weird. worry about it. Yeah. I don't know why I don't know why they bonded with that plot point. Like why do, 
explicitly show her taking her mom and then <laughs> I don't know. Like you'd almost you'd expect a scene where she gets to the island and she at least like puts her mom in like a bowl or something. Like a little fish bowl. Yeah. Oh uh, Yep. I don't know. Yeah. It's I'm maybe it's a setup for a plot point in Descendants Three. Well, okay, okay. so guess we'll they, find out. I I will say that there was a special. I think it was like a twenty minute thing that they released uh, last year. That it was not like a sequel, but it just was like kind of like a short that they did that takes place after Descendants Three. Um, and oh. so it it does show like Maleficent as a lizard does show up in that. Oh. So, Presumably, I guess she just hung out in Mal's pocket the entire time, and we just... Oh, that's never... a rough ride for a lizard. Yeah. I don't know why she just... Just leave your mom. Like, on if you're not going to free lizard mom, just leave her. <laughs> just in, leave in her in, in the little terrarium. God. That'd just be weird. I don't... I, I don't think... I'm trying to remember. I watched that special a little while ago, so my <laughs> My memory is fuzzy, but I don't know. I don't remember if they really do anything that suggests if Maleficent has a human consciousness in the body of a lizard or if she is lizard in both mind and body. I I hope she is simply lizard. She is simply returned to lizard. Because, <laughs> like, having a human consciousness in a lizard body would be a, yeah. a nightmare. Just having to spend every day trapped in a terrarium and just like, I don't know, watching my, my daughter who is just like, because if you're evil, if you're Maleficent, you're going to be really bothered by your daughter just like having fun and living her best life. That's going to really annoy you yeah. as, as a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully she has simply become lizard. Yeah. Oh, what else? Where? Where? Is there anything? I mean, this movie's just so long. And I feel like there's stuff that I'm forgetting to mention, but it's just so long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I can't. I can't really think of anything else. There's, I guess, there's the magic 3D printer that's just like a tube. (laughs) It is just a tube. Just a tube. And it and it creates great like full color cop three D prints. Oh yeah, I can see why Chad kept breaking in to use it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's such a weird fucking thing to be this technology. I know they've like shown other bits of technology in the previous movie, but something about a three D printer just feels like it doesn't belong in the Disney universe, even this <laughs> Disney universe. I. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Also, I don't know. <laughs> it also makes me very jealous because I'm like, I don't want a 3D printer. Hey. <laughs> I don't oh, know how all to the use things it. you could make with a 3D printer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I just have to like learn everything about 3D printing, and this is the thing. So I've there's been a few times I've been really tempted to get a 3D printer. This is completely off tangent. I've been really tempted to get a 3D printer, but I don't know how to 3D sculpt. I, I don't know how to fucking 3D print. 
So it does not it does not make sense for me to get a 3D printer, but I still fucking want one. <laughs> I mean, you learn you have so many skills, you could probably learn to make 3D things. Yeah. I believe in you, Christy. I know you could. Oh, one day. I keep Do you know the thing is I keep our, our friend Steve uh who ah, sometimes Steve. sometimes listen to the podcast, sometimes doesn't, mostly doesn't. Um I keep my plan is to try and like persuade him to get a 3D printer so that I could then just be like, hey, can you print something for me? Just Hey Steve. Steve. Can you uh hook me up with this thing? Steve, you paint you paint D D minis. You like doing that stuff. You should just get a 3D printer and then make let me <laughs> the time. Why won't you agree to that, Steve? Steve. It would benefit Mostly me, but also you. <laughs> <me. laughs> uh, uh, going through my notes here. Uh, still extremely fucked that these kids are forced to stay on the island. Mm-hmm. Lonnie is great. The sword fight is going on way too long. Yeah. How is there still 40 minutes left? <laughs> <laughs> the, the songs went on way too fucking long, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like... They just needed someone to come in and pare down some of these sequences. Mm-hmm. I I did appreciate the songs in a way though because it gave me time to uh because I I try I've been trying to write the summary as I watch the movie just oh. to save a, a bit of time and uh-huh. the songs kind of gave me a nice break to be like oh okay I could go back and edit what I've previously written because I've got five minutes of just people <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Five minutes in which I don't really have to pay that much attention. Yeah, it's like, this isn't relevant to the plot. They're just dancing. They're just dancing. Well, the movie starts out with a dance sequence. Yeah, a dream dance sequence. A dream dance sequence, wherein they drug their entire campus with magic apples to make them be evil for a while. Yeah, which which just, like, is them just causing petty vandalism, um... And then, yeah, it gets revealed after after dance sequence. It's revealed to just be all in Mal's head as she's, like, being hounded by pa- paparazzi. As she's yeah. just, like, gone into a fugue state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about, man, I wish I could be a fucking asshole right now. I wish I was uh, evil again, I guess. Yeah. God. Oh. You know what I did like, and this is not to do with the music at all. There was one little scene, because a lot of times in the film, uh, Evie and Mal will sort of go off and have like chats together because they're best friends and they have they have little talks. And then mm-hmm. when they get back from the island after saving Ben and Mal is freaking out and like having a terrible time, understandably, um... Mm-hmm. She and Evie go to, like, walk away, and Carlos is like, no, stop. We're your family, too. We're really, I like, we're tired of you two going off and, like, not talking to us. Like, we're all gonna, we want to be there, too. Yeah. we. And Jay's like, I don't care, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. We need to talk. Yeah. No. No? You guys are always going off in a huddle, whispering your girl talk stuff or whatever. And Jay and I are tired of it. 
I'm not. We're your family, too. We've been through a lot together. I'm not stopping that now, okay? But sweet Carlos is like, I'm like, we want to help too. Yeah, and so they, they sit cute. down and they talk about their feelings and they're all supporting Mal and it's nice. Yeah, it's very sweet. I don't know. I like and that scene. Yeah. Especially because after, right after it too. So yeah, there's they kind of do a jokey thing with Jay about him not wanting to be part of the conversation. But after they talk and, and Mal is still very conflicted and about staying in Oridon, um, Carlos and Evie go off and it's just Jay and Mal. And yeah, Jay, Jay hangs back a bit. Yeah, Jay, Jay privately tells Mal, like, listen, if after the cotillion you have decided that you still want to go back to the aisle i will take you there yeah it's it's just it's a sweet little moment that i really yeah. liked just what and it's just it's nice like it's just whatever your decision is we'll stand by it and support you which is yeah. very sweet yeah it's just a cute scene i don't yeah. know i had that in my notes no good i good point i'm glad you brought that one up And then, shortly thereafter, someone tossed Chad in the trash. Yeah. Because that's Chad. where he belongs. I feel bad for Cinderella for having such a fucking asshole for a son. No kidding! Man. I wonder, I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, maybe, sh maybe he's such a jerk because Cinderella, having grown up being mistreated by the stepmother she didn't she was afraid of over being overly oh. harsh on her own son oh that would maybe mm. maybe mm. all comes together ah oh, you cracked it you, you did <laughs> cracked it. this case wide open yeah detective christie i'm gonna go fight a t-rex after this just you know. <laughs> sherlock holmes yeah oh Put on my deerstalker hat. Yeah. Wait, do you Go have one? Hell yeah. Oh, I should have known. Hell yeah. Amazing. I have a collection of, of pipes. I don't smoke, but I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a secret Sherlock Holmes fan. <laughs> so I have a collection of different pipes. Oh my god. <laughs> and I have a little display. I didn't actually know this about- I knew- I knew the princesses. I knew Labyrinth, and I knew, uh, uh... Phantom of the Opera? Phantom of the Opera, yeah, that one. Uh, yeah. I didn't- I didn't know that you were also a Sherlock Holmes aficionado. Yeah, it's- it, it's- it was laying dormant for a good few years, but it's just like in the last- I- I think just, this is- this is how I've dealt with quarantine, if that- I've just <laughs> been- Filling up my shelves with little, like, diorama displays of Amazing. fandoms I like. Um, and yeah, and one of them is Sherlock Holmes. So I've got um, a bunch of pipes. I have a Calabash Mirshroom pipe, which is the traditional Sherlock Holmes pipe. I wow. have a, a uh, oh god, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but it's it's um, Church Warden pipe. I have one of those, and that's kind of more in line of the pipes that Jeremy Brett, who is the best fucking Sherlock Holmes, it's <laughs> he would frequently use in the show. And then I've got, like, 
I, I, Halloween, I was in my glory this last Halloween because they had so many fun scientific looking beakers and shit. So I picked a bunch up and they're sitting on my shelf with like food coloring in it to make it look like chemistry is happening. Oh. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's Hell amazing. Yeah. I have a blue carbuncle. Wait, what? Which, I have a blue carbuncle, which is a thing from a Sherlock Holmes story, which is just a, it's a, it's a bunny thing. It's a, it's a blue, like a blue diamond sapphire dealy doo. Okay. Listen, I play Final Fantasy. I was like, a carbuncle? That's cute. Why would, that has nothing to do with Sherlock. <laughs> what? What's a, what's a carbuncle in Final Fantasy? It's like this cute little, like, fox squirrel creature. Oh. Uh. Like a little four-legged, cute little aminal. Oh, okay. They're very, they're adorable. So, but I was very confused when you said you had a blue carbuncle because that's literally a thing in the game. Oh, it's like it's like a little Pokemon. Yeah, it's like a little Pokemon. It's very cute. Oh, kind of got soulless black eyes though. Yeah, it's. They're a magical... I don't know if they have souls. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Well. On that note. <laughs> on, on that note, I feel like this is a good place to end it. I think... In general, would you recommend this movie for Bad Princess Movie Night? I mean... Yes and No. Is you got to be prepped for that 2 hour runtime is the yeah, thing. That's like true. if it was a little shorter, yes. But this one you have to have a group of people dedicated enough to be sitting through an entire 2 hour long yeah, movie. That's true. And it wasn't even, you know, I mean, it's not even that bad. It's not a bad film. No. It's, it's it's not. It's just it's you're conscious of how long it's been since you've started watching it. Yeah. So sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good seal of approval. Sort of. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Well, I think that's going to be it for this one, you guys. Um, before we go to derail things even further towards the end, I have like, I had a dream about the podcast, Brie, and I need to share what? it What? Yeah, okay. I know shit. Okay. <laughs> My exciting life. I I had a dream the other night, and I've been saving it for, for when we were recording to tell you about it, but I dreamt that I was sitting down to record an episode of the podcast, and... I realized, like, without telling you, I had invited somebody else to be, to guest host. <gasps> what? And, and so you weren't there, but I was, like, in the dream, I was like, oh, that's right. I didn't tell Bree this was happening. How and could also, you? And also, I told you to watch the same movie. So I was <gasps> like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to break it to Bree that not only did I have a, a guest on an episode without her, but also, I made her watch a movie that she will not be talking about on wow. the podcast. Wow. Yeah, that was that was it. That was my very, like, boring-ass dream, but it was just really funny to me. This, this podcast is, like, seeping into my <laughs> subconsciousness. 
Damn, Dream Bree's gonna be pissed. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> I, I wish I could. I, I wish I knew what movie I had <laughs> inflicted <laughs> upon Dream Bree. Like, imagine if I made you do. I made you watch Disney Descendants two, and then I was like, oh, actually, um, y- you're not gonna be talking about this one after all. <sighs> I I. Hmm. I mean, if, it would have been different if it was like the nuttiest nutcracker, and then it's like you watched this for nothing. Oh, okay. Then I think oh. I would be uh, much more upset. <laughs> you stop returning my messages. Yeah, you're blocked on Twitter now. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Good to know. That's that's how I know. <laughs> this, this friendship is over. I leave the Discord server. You're blocked on Twitter. It's over. <laughs> oh, one day. We'll get there one day. I hope not. I feel I feel like depending on how long this podcast goes on for, it'll oh, happen God. one day. Oh god. Well when when will it be? Only time will tell. <laughs> Only time will tell. Yeah. But for now, for now, uh, I think that's it for us. So if you guys want to check us out on Twitter where we post uh, clips and stuff of the movies that we watch, you can check us out at Bad Princess MOV. Uh, if you have a comment or suggestion you want to send to us, uh, feel free to email us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to check out the catalog of Bad Princess Movies in my collection, you can do so at badprincessmovies.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go watch me Sherlock Holmes versus a T-Rex. <laughs> Hell I yeah. I can't Just, fucking wait. I can't wait to hear what that, how that is. Oh my god. Oh. Maybe if I maybe if I'm lucky there'll be a princess in it and then I could force you to <laughs> That'd be great. Oh man. See you all next time. Bye! Goodbye!